Hey, this is Dan Kogan. I'm one of the pastors at Grace Family in Pleasant Hill, Missouri, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today and let you know you matter to us because you matter to God. Enjoy the message. To separate truth from fiction, the the wise men did not follow the star to the stable. I realize everybody has a star over their stable, but the wise men did not follow the star to the stable. Uh, the wise men followed the star. It led them to Palestine, and, and in leading them to Palestine, they went to the capital, which was Jerusalem. And again, we have no idea how many of these men there were. There were more than one. They were plural, but there could have been ten. It, didn't, it doesn't say that there were three. It says they brought three gifts, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But who were these rather unusual, strange individuals? Well, you could spend a tremendous amount of time on the Internet looking up all kinds of things about Magi, and I would encourage you to stick with the John MacArthur and John Piper and, and uh, Charles Spurgeon and look at kind of what those men tell you about the Magi. But there were certainly men in the East from Babylon who, who knew all about world religions, who knew all about different kinds of faiths, who were very studied in all of those kinds of things. Now, who also spent a lot of time in Babylon would have been the the children of Israel when they were in captivity. That's where Daniel was. And no doubt that some of that uh, understanding of monotheism and of the God of Israel was still there in Babylon. And no doubt many of these wise men had heard that and were aware of it and keenly knowledgeable about it. But it's a very important fact as we draw this sermon to the conclusion, I thought hopefully you'll see why, that these men are not from Palestine. They're not Jewish. They're from someplace far different and far, far away. And they're not poor, lowly shepherds, as we'll talk about next week, but they're some of the most learned, intelligent men in the world. In fact, many people say these kind of, these kind of wise magi from the East were men that kings would often consult with. Uh, they were that powerful and that important. And the somewhat mysterious understanding, but they were not Jewish. They were not from that region. They were men of great power and great import who would have been respected by even the kings of the day and probably men of some great wealth and certainly some of the greatest knowledge of any humans alive at the time. And so the star that they had seen that they understood to be talking about the king of the Jews had been born brought them to Palestine, and that's where... John, uh, Matthew, rather, picks up the story. In verse 3, and also, also in verse 2, for we have seen his star, in other words, understanding that there's a star just for this, this king of the Jews, and we have come to do what? To worship him. To worship him. That's a very important part. So in verse, in verse 3, when K- King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. And that's obvious. Herod was a very unstable leader, and given to all kinds of chaotic kind of behavior. And if he is disturbed, everybody's going to be disturbed. You don't, and, and as you'll see, certainly his, his disturbance was, uh, was, was made known when he decreed that all the male babies under the age of two would be killed. That's just how much of a despot Herod was. And so when Herod was upset, everybody was upset. So when Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. Now, again, Herod has this relationship with the Romans. He is, he is in every way just a puppet-occupied king. It's not unlike in the Second World War when Germany would take over Poland or, or take over uh, uh, Hungary or, or, or some other country. They, they would always, or Norway, they would impose on those countries a king. 
and he would be a king, but he's not a king. He does exactly what the, the Germans would have told him to do. Uh, and that's where Herod was. He was a king, but not a king in any sense of a real king of Israel. He was a puppet of, 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 of Rome. And the, one of the greatest fears that Herod would have would be that a real Jewish king would arise because then a rebellion would start. And what happens to, uh, what happens to, to, to men who are, who are collaborators with the enemy when a rebellion comes and they're overthrown? We'll just find out what happened to Mussolini, okay? So, I mean, that's why Herod is upset. This is a big deal. If this is really a Jewish king that's been born... And he must be because these men from the east, they, they know their stuff. So if this is really the case, then we've got a real problem here. Herod's very life, let alone his wealth and his leadership, but his very life is, as he understands it, in danger. So he assembles in verse 4 all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asks them, where's this child that they talk about to be born? And, and it's really interesting one of the themes throughout these Gospels is many times the people who should really know who Jesus is don't ever acknowledge him. I mean, these chief priests knew that he was supposed to be born in Bethlehem. And yet it's these men from the east, from, from someplace off in Babylon or Persia, that seem to understand they came to worship, and they're the, the one who was born. And yet these chief priests who've been praying for this Messiah for, for generations and understand exactly where he's to be born have no understanding of that at all. So they said to him, well, he's to be born in Bethlehem, they told him, because of what is written by the prophet. And verse 6, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, by no means are the least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men. And he asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, and he said, Now go search carefully for this child, and when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. Now, clearly, the wise men weren't fully aware of all the devious nature of Herod's request, wanting to find out where Jesus was so he could kill him. So verse 9, After hearing the king, they went on their way, and as it as, as and they they and there it was as the star they had seen was rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. So after they left Herod, the star again appears to them and begins to move. And this time, the star literally does take them to the very house where the child is. And verse eleven says, "Entering the house, not the stable, not the barn, not the manger." where they saw the child, not the infant, but a a child is the word they would use, with his mother Mary, and falling on their knees, they worshipped him. And they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then being warmed in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So what happened was, as they went to Jerusalem looking for the king, thinking all of Palestine would be celebrating because the new king has been born, they were probably surprised to find out no one in Palestine even really knew it. And and so Herod is making this game of, well, yes, we would love to know. Tell us when you find him so we can worship him too. And the star reappears and takes him, no doubt, to 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 where Jesus was living with his family in Nazareth in that small house. Child is something between probably nine months and 18 months old. 
And when the, these, these can imagine this little, little, little house, this little uh, very humble abode in this little backwater town in Nazareth, and, and here are these, these very wealthy, wise leaders from a far distant land show up, and they, they're dressed in very elaborate clothing, and they, they come into this little house, and they see, they see this, this child and this mother and this little family, and they bow down and they worship this baby. What an amazing picture that is. And then they do something even more amazing. They provide gifts to this child. And, of course, one of the reasons we always talk about gifts at Christmas is because Jesus was a great gift to us, and so we, we give gifts to one another, but also, certainly, because the wise men brought gifts to Jesus, so the idea of giving and receiving gifts is always part of the culture of, of our, our, our culture of Christmas, anyway. And so they bring these gifts to him. And the significance of the gifts are really important. And I know many of you have heard this before, but every Christmas, you need to be reminded of it. These were not just arbitrary gifts. These were not just some, some things they picked up on the way. You know, they, they were very unique and very specific, and they were very unusual to give to a baby living in a small house with a very poor family in Nazareth. It doesn't make any sense unless you understand the whole story, and then it makes perfect sense. The first gift that these magi, these men, gave was this amazing gift of gold. Now, that's obviously it's wealth, and obviously it's, it's tangible, but clearly in, in those days, and even today, but certainly in those days, a king was known by the gold he had. And the more gold he had, the more power he had. So oftentimes the king would absolutely wrap himself in gold, in his, in his jewelry, on his throne, in his palace. He could display it and show it. The, the gold is, is, an, is a symbol of kingship. So when they bring, these wise men bring this gift of gold to this baby Jesus, they're acknowledging that he is the king of kings, that he, he is rightfully a king. And in our heart, in our life, he is our king. He is our Lord. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And as we said a few weeks ago, the scripture makes it clear that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He may look in this story like a little 18-month-old Hebrew baby in a small village, but he is truly the king of the entire universe and worthy of our worship and worthy of our honor and worthy of our praise. And one day he will reveal himself as such a king. So he is a king. And the gold signified that. The second gift they brought him was frankincense. Again, a very unusual and very expensive gift you would bring to a child. It was, it was something that was an incense that you would burn when you, when you worshiped a deity. Now, in the first century, uh, there was a lot of odors in the world and not much to clean them up. And so when you would go into a house of worship, they would burn these incenses that would literally transport you from, from where you had just been in this very dirty, filthy world into a different place. And so the incense helped bring you to a sense of worship. And it was very expensive and you would use just for, for worship. And, you know, sometimes maybe you've seen some pictures of some, some Orthodox priests who carry the little incense thing, and you see it burning as they go through. So you begin to get the aroma. And so incense was used in worship. Gold was for a king. Jesus is a king. Incense was used for a worship. He's not just a king. He's God. He's the deity. 
He's deserving of all of our worship. And we should worship him with our heart and with our mind and with our soul and with our spirit. And as we look in the New Testament, we'll see over and over again how he is to be worshipped. And he will be worshipped. And I love the encounter he has with the woman at the well where she says, you know, we worship up at the mountain. You worship in Jerusalem. We're, he said, the day is coming. It's now here when you will worship not in the mountain and not in Jerusalem, but God is a spirit, and you'll worship him in spirit. I mean, we worship him, and we come together. We gathered worship on Sunday morning. Hopefully, you worship him in your own private individual worship every day and with your family. You worship him as you drive. You worship him when you eat. You're just you're always acknowledging his glory, his power, his majesty. He's worthy of all of it. The glory of God is such a wonderful place. It is the real joy we have. And to understand that this baby born in Bethlehem and this young child now being raised there in Nazareth, was the king of kings, and he was God incarnate. He wrapped himself in human flesh. He was the the ruler of the universe. He was the one who spoke this entire universe into being. He's the one that still names every star and holds them in place by his mighty power. He is the one that knows every molecule of every gas giant in the universe. He's the one that knows every hair on your head. He's the one that knows when a bird chirps in the Amazon forest. Nothing escapes him. He is the God of all gods. And he is worthy of our worship. So the goals signify that he is of authority, he has a kingship, and the myrrh, or the frankincense rather, signifies that he is to be worshipped. He is God. But if those two were unusual gifts for a baby, the third is especially unusual. They brought him myrrh. And myrrh was a very unique spice that was used in the preparation of a body for burial. It was, a, it was something you would provide to someone at their death. So why would you obviously bring such a gift, something to use at the preparing of a body for death to a, the birth of a child? Well, not only was he king of kings, and not only was he God, but he also came to die. Did the, did the uh, wise men fully understand that? I don't know. I, I, I rather doubt it. But we understand it, and we know it, and it's clear to us that myrrh was used in the death of a body, and it's clear to us from the very beginning the whole reason Jesus came was to die. He came that he might die in our place, that he might take death on face to face and defeat it once and for all for a hall who would trust him because death is the great enemy. The wages of sin is death, and all of us have sinned, and all of us are going to face death, and all of us are going to face the wrath of a holy God. And there was no solution other than God himself becoming like a man, living a sinless life, and then in a very unbelievable way, God's judgment poured out upon his own son, and, and all of God's wrath was poured out upon him for the sin of all who would be redeemed. And in that, our penalty for sin was paid, so death was no longer our adversary, our enemy, and we would no longer be captive to death. And as Paul writes in that wonderful letter to the Corinthians, O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? But the sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God in Jesus Christ who removed that sting of death because he removed from us the burden of the law that we could not fulfill. And because Jesus came and Jesus lived a perfect life and God placed upon him all the sin of those who would be redeemed, this baby was born to die that you and I might live forever. That's what myrrh represents. So gold represents he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we submit to him and he's the authority in our life. 
And the, the, the frankincense acknowledges that he is the God of the universe. He's the same God, the Alpha, the Omega, who created everything, who has no beginning and has no ending, holds everything in place by his mighty power, is worthy of all of our worship. And the greatest gift he's ever given to us is himself, that we have the ability to come and make much of him and worship him. And then the myrrh indicates that this baby was born not to live, but to die, to die in our place so that death would no longer hold us captive. That's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's the point of that story. And in a dream, God revealed to those wise men that they weren't to go back to Herod, that Herod had nothing good in mind, and so they went home a different way. And I know it's been said many times, and maybe it's just a bit trite, but it's true. Once you truly worship Jesus, you don't go home the same way you came. They went home a different way. Your life changes forever. Listen to what these great words of Charles Spurgeon talking about this wonderful encounter in Matthew's gospel. Wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem saying, where is he who's been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star and we've come to worship. And there it was, the star, the star, the star. They'd seen it at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the very house eventually where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Look, the realized presence of Jesus in your midst always brings joy. You want to find joy in your life? Don't look for it in relationships. Don't look for it in finances. Don't look for it even in your health. Don't look for it in all the things that we think bring us ultimate joy because none of those will last forever. They are all passing. None of them are, 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 are absolute certainties for eternity. But Jesus is, and he is the source of all of our joy. And if you need joy in your life today, follow the star. Find Jesus worship him, be with him, just like those wise men. You'll be overjoyed when you find Jesus, and you'll go home different. They were overjoyed. These verses reveal the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ, even in his state of humanity. Check this out. He was born of lowly parents, laid in a feed box, wrapped up in infant clothing. But the principalities and powers in heaven, in those heavenly places, they were all placed in motion. First, an angel descends to proclaim the advent of the new birth. But that activity was not confined to the spirits above, for something else began to stir. A star is sent on behalf of all the stars, as if they were envoys of all the worlds to represent before their king. The star was put into commission to await the Lord, to be his herald to men far away, and to be as, as God ushered and, and conducted these wise men to the very place of Jesus. But earth is also stored. The wise men offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh that have very specific responsibilities that we just said. They offered these gifts. These wise men, leaders of their own people, bowed down before Christ and paid homage to the Son of God. Wherever Christ is, he is honorable. In the day of small things, when the cause of God is denied... When it's hidden away and despised, it's still glorious. Christ, though a little child no one else would notice, was still glorious. Though among the oxen, he was distinguished by a star. 
If wise men of old came to Jesus and worshipped him, why shouldn't we also come too? They, listen, they were guided by a star. We, you, are guided by faith. Through divine teaching, through the Holy Spirit, through the blessed word of God. It is well to come and see baby Jesus when led by the feeble beams of a star. We will find it still more blessed to come and see Christ now, who is exalted in the heavens and who by his own light reveals his own perfect glory. He is light. Here's this little star that leads them in the dark of night to where Jesus is. But today, having lived that sinless life and died that substitutionary death, he has risen victorious. He sits at the right hand of the Father, and all of heaven is filled with his glory and light. And if you want to find real joy in life, you find Jesus. And you remember what those gifts are. As you're out shopping in the next couple of weeks trying to find just the right gift for just the right person, you remember the gold, he's your king. You remember the frankincense, he is God. And you remember myrrh, he came to die so that you and I would not have to die. The wise men, someone has written, the wise men and their mission are highly significant. God promised Israel that their restoration and redemption after the exile would be accompanied by a huge influx of Gentile nations into the covenant community. Though made it mo- mo- no, the, their motivation not fully understood, check this out. These wise men we just read about are the first Gentiles to ever seek out Jesus. And they serve to demonstrate that God fulfills all of his promises. When these Hebrews were held captive, God said, one day I'll send a Messiah, and it won't just be Hebrews that will come to him, but the whole world will come to him. And when you see these wise men coming to this young child that night, they were the first Gentiles to ever worship Jesus. You may be Jewish in here today, If you are, you're probably in the minority. Most of us in here are Gentiles. And the first Gentiles who ever came to worship our Lord were these three or however many, got me saying it now, these wise men from the East who brought these gifts, fulfilling the scripture that Jesus would come, a blessing from the Hebrew nation, but not just only to the Hebrew nation, but to the entire world. And so when we give the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, how important is it that we give to tell the entire world who Jesus is so they could know the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one who came to die on their behalf. Heavenly Father, what a great story. Forgive us when we've made it something far less than it really is. Lord, we need to find you today. Some of us are desperately in need of joy. May we look at the light of Christ and may we find him and find our joy in worshiping him. Thank you that you're my king. Thank you that you're my God. Thank you that you paid the price for my death so that death no longer is my enemy. And Lord, I pray this morning that we'll leave here with a renewed commitment to truly worship you, honor you, and embrace you and find our joy in you. 
and understand that once we come into contact with you, we never go home the same way again. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to our show so the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready whenever you are. And secondly, if Grace Family has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description and make a donation now. And we'll see you next time on the Grace Family Podcast.